welcome to the Modern Goat Rider podcast. The opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and do not represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Odd Fellows. Our conversations will be open to the public for the purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. And now, let's continue the journey. podcast i'm billy sanderson and i'm josh miller hey how you doing today josh i'm doing great yeah we're, i'm just really excited about this episode um we i for a lot of people out there who are such huge fans of ours and they think that we're the only podcast in the world not true it's not true there is a, one other podcast out there that talks about odd fellows and uh we are lucky enough to uh, be connected with them and tonight uh, you're gonna hear the first half of uh, an amazing uh, two-part series crossover event between us and the three links podcast yeah it's a huge event this is mega media breaking this news so we uh spent some time with sergio ainsley and toby from the three links oddcast and we got into some you know some kind of kind of cool topics and just left it open uh for a freewheeling discussion that uh we cover a lot of grounds yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, we have a really nice um, blend of uh, differences between the two different um, podcasts. So um, uh, getting to have us all together in one room as it be yeah. uh, was kind of neat. It was very neat. Yeah, and we stay in touch all the time with uh, these guys from the very start of uh, starting the podcast back in July for us. They were uh, simultaneously brewing their own Oddfellows brew for their podcast and uh, we ended up releasing two weeks apart, our first episodes. And since then, we've been in touch about topics that we're going to cover and make sure that it's fresh and new for each uh, listening group. So what you're going to hear now is the first half from uh, our amazing crossover event. And once you're finished here, you're going to journey over to their uh, site and download the second half. Exactly. And just before we start... Uh, we're going to have their elevator pitch from all three of them about the Three Links Oddcast. And then following that, we'll dive right into topics. Hello, this is the Three Links Oddcast. I'm one of your hosts, Toby Hansen. I'm Ainsley Heilick. And I'm Sergio Paredes. And we're here to disseminate information about what's going on in Odd Fellowship, whether it's the smallest lodge in a little town in the mountains of Pennsylvania or the biggest metropolitan area. We are here to find out what's going on around the world of Odd Fellowship and share that with all of you out there listening. Well, welcome everyone to a very special crossover episode event. Between Modern Goat Rider and the Three Links Oddcast. Uh, I'll be your moderator for this evening, uh, Toby Hansen. And we've got our whole crew here from the Three Links Oddcast, Sergio Paredes and Ainsley Heilick. And we also have our crew from Modern Goat Rider, Josh and Billy. Hello, everybody. Yay! Hello. Hello. 
Excellent. So what do we want to talk about first tonight, guys? I think Billy um, wanted to talk about the state of uh, I, Odd Fellowship. I would like to talk about the state of Odd Fellowship. Well, uh, my state is Washington. Ainsley, what's yours? I am from the beautiful jurisdiction of Illinois. And Sergio? I am from beautiful California, more specifically Southern California. That's right. You've got such a big state, you could cut it in half and just make Texas cry. <laughs> uh, I doubt that. They got sure mass over there. Yeah, they, they do. There's a lot of emptiness in Texas. Uh, as they as they like to say, El Paso is closer to San Diego than Houston. <laughs> oh, do so they? The, sta- the state of Odd <laughs> Fellowship um, here in Washington right now we're kind of in flux because as numbers go up and down for coronavirus, they they keep opening things up and then shutting them down. Um, midnight last night, uh, the state went back into basically phase one of our recovery plan although the governor didn't call it that so no indoor seating at bars and restaurants you can dine outside which boy outside dining in november in washington lots of fun you know watch the wind blow your beer off of the table but uh that's basically put all of our lodges back into hibernation here and there were a few that had started uh meeting um how are things up in British Columbia, guys? So I worry a little bit about some of our lodges, the ones that aren't as technically advanced and the ones that don't meet regularly on Zoom. I worry about them. Um, I've had a couple of uh, face-to-face meetings with other brothers in the order, and they keep telling me, don't worry. They're just taking a break. They're going to be fine. Everything's going to come back. Um, but sometimes uh, without that momentum... Um, you know, it can be, it can be worrisome, but you know, so far Columbia Lodge number two, our lodge, um, we've restarted our, uh, monthly meetings every, every two months, two meetings a month. Uh, we're doing elections this month and we'll be instill, instilling, installing, 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 uh, a brand new executive come January. Uh, whether that's uh, that'll most likely be through zoom from grand lodge of bc so um you know from what we're from where we are we're looking pretty good it's just i do worry about some of those lodges who don't who are um you know social lodges who aren't getting that social piece so i'm i hope that they can hang on for when uh when we can get back into the lodge and do the stuff we love doing yeah, that's that's something that uh, I'm kind of worried about. In October, our Grand Master called a district deputies meeting, and he wanted the district deputies to check in with all the lodges, see, see what they were doing to get through the pandemic, and then report back on it, which I thought was a really, really brilliant idea. And I, I basically heard that there's a couple things going on with lodges in Washington, Either they just went dark in March and stayed dark and have been waiting until things are really over with the virus, or they've tried to maintain some semblance of either limited in-person meetings or online social activities just to keep things together. Because I think you're really right about that, Josh. If people fall out of the habit of meeting, then you have to rebuild that habit to get it going again. 
Now, Sergio, uh, what's going on with your lodge in Los Angeles? Um, well, right now we're pretty much still dark. We're just meeting online. So not too much in the way of lodge activities, but we actually did get uh, some word that somebody is asking around. Um, they want to start their own lodge or they want to start a lodge in LA. So um, that's kind of interesting. So I, I just found out about it this past uh, weekend at the last uh, meeting. So yeah, somebody called inquiring um, how to start an Odd Fellows Lodge, which is pretty specific. So <laughs> hopefully they're listening and uh, they reach out to us. When people say they want to open a lodge, do you not want them to join your lodge first and then open a lodge? Or is uh, that I kind of weird? This... I think this is more of somebody who they were probably like me when when I stumbled across Oddfellows, where it's just like, oh, why do you even know there was one, you know, so many miles away? Because, um, for example, my lodge didn't have uh, like social media or their website. If you still go to their original uh, website, and it's like from the early '90s, like early 2000s, so it's it's <laughs> not. <laughs> Um, so I think it, it could be maybe they're just not really aware that there is another lodge because, um, you know, we don't really advertise that much, really. So, right. but uh, I think they're on the right track. It's <laughs> a good start. Now, speaking of that, um, I, I've recently had a kind of a similar experience here in Washington. I'm really active on Instagram. It's my favorite of all the social media platforms. So I'm always traveling, taking pictures of stuff, posting it. I post a lot of Oddfellow stuff because let's face it, we are the most photogenic fraternal order that there is. We have so much cool stuff to take pictures of. So um, end of summer last year, um, as I had finished all of my travels as Grandmaster, uh, I started corresponding with someone from the Tri-Cities, specifically, uh, she lives in Pasco, in eastern Washington, asking about Odd Fellowship. She had seen the Odd Fellows home that we have in Walla Walla, and she's asking about joining a lodge. I said, well, we don't have a lodge in Walla Walla anymore. Used to have one there, and it was a very old lodge. It was the second lodge in Washington State. It was chartered in 1863, Enterprise Lodge Number 2. And so she's like, oh, that's that's great. You know, how can I join? I said, well, you can't. They gave up their charter about five years ago. So then talking back and forth, she says, you know, what would it take to restart the lodge in Walla Walla? I said, well, you got to get enough people together. Either five members of a current lodge who are third degree and can take withdrawal cards, or you get 15 brand new people and you can request a, a charter from the Grand Lodge. And so that started this whole conversation of, well, how do I go about getting people and what do we do? Uh, the ultimate plan that we settled on and what she's working on right now is finding people to join a lodge that is in the Tri-Cities right now, which is Richland number 338, getting the five people, their three degrees as members of that lodge, and then taking withdrawal cards to recharter the original Enterprise number two out in Walla Walla. It's about an hour away from the Tri-Cities. So it's a little bit of a drive, but she works in Walla Walla and most of the people that she knows are in Walla Walla. So it makes sense to go ahead and do that. 
So for somebody in Los Angeles who really wanted to start another lodge, I'm sure there had to be multiple lodges actually in LA at one time. I mean, not counting all the various different suburbs around like Costa Mesa and San Fernando and all those places. So you could probably get that new person into your lodge in Los Angeles get them their three degrees and then they could take a withdrawal card with four other people and resurrect one of the old lodges that used to be in Los Angeles. Yeah, there's no shortage of that. There's a, if you go to our, uh, our original website actually has like a list of all the different lodges that LA had. And um, some of, some of the older members would say, you know, they had their different flavors. Like I think um, where our lodge is, there was the closest lodge before was like an almost entirely Jewish lodge. Oh yeah. Almost all the me- yeah. So almost all the members were pretty much predominantly Jewish. And that was right there in uh, East LA, which East LA did have a large uh, Jewish population at one time as well. And there's still some in the area. And, you know, an, an interesting side note about that. Uh, one of the things in California history is there was actually a lot of anti-Semitism very early on in California, which is why it's one of the few places around the U.S. at least where you find that there are major Jewish institutions, like you have Cedars-Sinai Medical Center there in L.A. That's because Jews were excluded from a lot of things early on in California. So it wouldn't be at all unusual to have had a Jewish lodge Uh, When I visited Rochester, New York about 10 years ago, eh, maybe 15 now, um, I found out that they had their own Jewish lodge at that time that was still meeting, and it was predominantly Jewish, and whereas the other lodges in Rochester took the summer off, the Jewish lodge would take the winter off, so they would meet in July and August, but they wouldn't meet in January and February, because a lot of the members of the lodge would be down in Florida. So Ainsley, is there anything that's kind of growth wise that you're hearing about in Illinois? So um, some of the lodges in the northern part of the state um, were able to recently do an outdoor degree day. Uh, One of the lodges, um, Ottawa 41, I believe, is on a large hunk of property. So they were able to do it there um, last month and put, a, I think it was over a dozen people through. Um, I don't have an exact number um, off the top of my head, but it was a good crowd. Yeah. So they have been doing stuff uh, here and there in Illinois. Um, my lodge in particular, we've uh, just been meeting online and just kind of voting to keep donating money and stuff. But um yeah, things have pretty much kind of been kind of ground to a halt in Illinois overall, um, even though there are some lodges that have chosen to meet with, you know, regards to the COVID, uh, you know, outlines with the state, you know, a lot of people are just kind of disregarding it. So, <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's some lodges that are just kind of like doing, you know, business as usual, while the vast majority are uh, definitely um either idling by waiting or meeting online. So that's just kind of nothing too big or exciting is happening right now in Illinois. 
So I was going to dovetail off that and the, the photos that were posted today on Facebook showing the new Louisiana Lodge and mm -hmm. Brother Humphreys there and really kind of representing that this is important, I think is a great way to do it and show that this jurisdiction is coming back to life. Oh, yeah. For Louisiana, it's fantastic. It's definitely been, I think, a multi-jurisdictional effort helping out uh, the Grand Lodge of Louisiana to get multiple lodges this year uh, brought online. And, and Jimmy, you know, coming over from Georgia, I mean, that's, I don't know exactly how far of a drive it is to, you know, get to where, because he's over in Savannah area. So that's like the northeast corner of Georgia to go all the way, you know, across multiple states to get to Louisiana and help out, you know, with that. That's fantastic. Um, it's kind of it's kind of one of those things where it's just like you're like, yay, new lodge is coming online. But then you're like, ooh, is everybody going to get COVID? So it's, you know, <laughs> it's like we must protect Jimmy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's kind of like, yay. But it's like, oh, no, Jimmy, we must protect him at all costs. So <laughs> so it's, it's kind of like a, a very mixed reaction kind of thing. So, Sergio, what are you going to do with your, um, or what is the talk in the lodge about this inquiry about a new, uh, a new group that wants a new lodge? Um, well, right now they're just kind of thinking, uh, what more is it? Um, they were given our contact information, uh, as far as I know, uh, as far as up to today, they haven't actually reached out yet. So I'm not sure who exactly. I think they talked to a secretary. And they were able to um, um, be given like our email and our contact information. Uh, but when I at our uh, lodge meeting, I think it had been about a week. Uh, they haven't actually reached out to us yet. So I we're kind of like, okay, well, if they're serious, they'll they'll reach out to us, and um, if not, we'll well we'll wait and see. So. That the way the way they're kind of going about it is well if, if they want to they'll pursue it and then you know i just think right now everybody's just kind of just because we don't have a lodge to meet up it's kind of like you know there's really not a lot to um to show around so we're, hmm. we're pretty much solely using like zoom right now so i think there might be some kind of like hesitant as far as what we'll be able to show um and then with current um issues right now it's just you know right now it's kind of up in the air but i'm i'm trying to actually get that information and see if maybe i could get uh in contact with them and just kind of see you know if they knew about us yeah. if they're interested um, almost a investigation committee on your own sort of find out what they know and how they sort of showed up on your doorstep but, yeah pretty much because uh, i'm sure if they're really interested you know, like uh, once I found out that this was the oldest lodge in um, Southern California, it's like, you know, sign me up. That's a part of history and it's a part of the city's history as well. So um, that's there's definitely a reason to to seek out uh, the lodge I belong to specifically. But then, you know, the more the merrier if 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 our lodge is not something that they see and they just want to start something on a different side of the town, then, you know, um, I'm all up for helping them out as well, too. So okay, whatever so makes people in. Now, now I've got my question that we're leading to. So, you've got a lodge. It's fictitious or real. You've got a lodge of, uh, say, 50, 75 members. 
what is your reaction to the idea of splitting that lodge into two lodges of 35? Is it better to go to two lodges of 35 or is it better to be a 75 person lodge? Victoria has lodges that are getting up there in our number when it's historically been very low. Um, so I pose that question uh, to the executive once that, you know, what happens when we get to 125 members in Columbia too? Do we, do we split up and have a new lodge or do we just keep plowing away with 125? What's your roundtable thoughts on that? Well, there's a lot uh, of thought that goes into something like that. From my perspective, having been grandmaster, I look at it kind of from the outside perspective. You have kind of a unique setup in British Columbia in that you have a very strong geographical divide between the island and the mainland. In your jurisdiction, most of the political power is on the island. There's a greater number of lodges on the mainland, but they're dispersed all over the place. You know, you're talking about driving all the way up to Prince George to visit a lodge. Well, okay, that's kind of a big commitment. Or going all the way to Kamloops or, you know, other places in the interior. So it's really easy for you guys to say, well, let's just split off and then we'll have four lodges in Victoria or five lodges in Victoria, because that means more votes in the Grand Lodge of British Columbia. Okay, so at a certain point, Victoria, if it had enough lodges like it used to in the old days, you could outvote the entire rest of the province. So that's one thing to look about, look at with it. If you take more of the internal view, is there more value in having multiple lodges to specialize in things? Like Sergio mentioned, having the Jewish lodge in Los Angeles, because that used to be an important thing. And in big cities, it used to be very common to have lodges that would sort of coalesce around an ethnic group or uh, a religious group or a professional group. For example, in Seattle, there used to be uh, a lodge named Germania. And uh, for whatever reason, nobody knows why, but uh, in February of 1942, they voted to consolidate into Anchor 221, which was a Swedish lodge. Uh, who, who knows why they decided to suddenly abandon their German language lodge in 1942? But, you know, that's another consideration. Do you want to start being able to specialize with your lodges? So here's rather than a specialization within a specific ethnic group or, you know, we don't want to really see that. But we do know that there's three kinds of lodges out there. There's the charity lodge, there's the social lodge, and there's the betterment lodge. So perhaps, you know, a group might want to break off. We're pretty much a charity lodge. You know, that's how I would kind of categorize us. And there might be a certain group that might want to just sort of break away from sort of that charity, big time social work and get into kind of, you know, how to become a better odd fellow, you know, and, and really sort of kind of that European lodge flavor that we kind of um, checked out in, in a previous episode with our friend from Holland. Um, that might be an interesting way to break um, or to, to separate the lodge or specialize. Thoughts on that? So almost like a traditional observance lodge type scenario. Yeah. Correct. Well, my my view on it is, you know, there's always that uh, 
the cliche of too big to fail. So I'm more in if if whatever the core members, if you have a lodge of 70, 80 members and you have, you know, 25 that those 25, they're solid. You know, they they have their own events. You know, they, they get together outside the lodge. If for whatever reason they see their their um, group's um, mission going in a slightly different direction, uh, I, I think in those situations, you know, the more the merrier. Uh, that's how you get more people to come in to where it's not just this is what we have, this is how big it is. If you can't fit in, then, you know, there's nothing here for you. I think when we start splitting it up is when it's like, okay, why you went to this one? Um, I I didn't really get too much. You know, there was, uh, there was a lot there, but it was just wasn't for me. Let me drive, you know, a few miles the other way. Okay. Well, this one's a little bit more young, a little bit more happening. Like you said, there's charity, there's social. Um, So I think if we kind of, try to maintain high numbers in in a one area it might alienate people who might not be able to make it there due to you know transportation um, money or for whatever reason if you're able to have smaller things like how like the post office you know we just don't have one big post office we have smaller post offices to where the people who can't go that extra five miles, they still get something out of it. Even mm-hmm. though they're not able to go to the big fancy building in downtown, they still have their own smaller office that, you know, that it's a part of their community. So uh, I, I think for, in, in that regards, if the more the merrier, if you got enough people to stick to one mission, then, you know, by all means, as long as you kind of play within the rules, um, you know, do, do whatever you will. I think that's the whole beauty of Odd Fellowship. I don't know if you guys have been to our lodge hall. Maybe, Toby, you have. I have not yet. But uh, 10 years ago, all I wanted to see was that lodge hall filled, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. it's a big hall. It's got seats down both sides. And it was always at the beginning of my membership. It was very sparsely you know, um, seated. And as the years have progressed, I mean, we've had days when evening meetings when almost every seat in that hall was filled and that feels so good much better than four 25 person meetings or you know you know just having that whole room filled and when we stand up and we sing the opening ode it is loud enough to hear it on the streets and that's you know those are amazing moments too so well let me turn this question back around to you guys so you're obviously thinking maybe it's time for another lodge in victoria what do you think would be the advantages of doing something like that, given your current situation? You got three lodges meeting in the building right now. You got Victoria one, Columbia two, and Bastion four. So what do you think you might possibly gain by splitting off and forming another lodge? So uh, the reason why I look at it as an opportunity is whether well, not knowing other branches, excluding encampment as an opportunity. Let's just say encampments on the yeah. shelf over there. But my my thinking was, are we serving enough of the interest of the hundred ish paying due member dues members with just one track? Um, I think what's happened recently is we've 
brought in the ideas and the leadership that could give us other tracks. So more of a history track or more of a betterment track or whatever. So the reason for having the idea is whether of splitting is to specialize a lodge, is to allow the Columbia Lodge or the new lodge to be its own culture. And as we bring in more people, we bring in more ideas. And so the management of that or the satisfaction, customer satisfaction mm -hmm. of our of our business here, that is Oddfellows, yeah. our brand, our Oddfellows brand, is do we hit a, a um, what's the word? Uh, you know, where you just hit that point, it's a, sort of a point of combustion where it's just like, oh, well, we have to go do something else because we have 25 people that really want to do this and they're not seeing the opportunity in Colombia. So let's go make Acme 14 again. Yes. Um, and also I so that we can outvote every lodge <laughs> on the mainland. <laughs> Yes, that's, <laughs> that's the other part. All the people who are listening on the mainland, it's not true. <laughs> we love you. I Now, in fairness, I have to say, I have a very good friend who lives up island. Uh, he lives just outside of Crofton. I've been trying to talk him into joining now for like 20 years. And he's, he's a, a folk musician. He's very insular. He doesn't really like to go out and do things. But the one thing that interests him is he's like very Vancouver Island patriotic to the point that he's like, we don't need the rest of British Columbia. We can get rid of them. We can be our own province. And uh, so I'm like, you know, Eric, there's a lot of other people who feel like that. Maybe you should go talk to one of the lodges in Victoria or, you know, if that's too much of a big city, go up to Nanaimo and talk to that lodge. You'll find a lot of other people who really love Vancouver Island, too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Nanaimo has a couple musicians in their membership. It's a growing lodge. Yeah, we're really trying to support um, that lodge in, into growing so that we can, you know, sort of, you know, that's already a lodge that's that's there. And they've been struggling and they've sold their their building and um, they're meeting in a oh, uh, boardroom. They yeah. sometimes at a pub, maybe. Um, but this year, one of my goals was to really um, create an island strong group where, you know, we were there for them and we could we could go up and do degrees for them and do everything they needed. Obviously, COVID just threw a wrench yeah. in every plan that anyone made any time over the last uh, 12 months. So. Um, but we hope to, you know, we hope that that grows too. And that's, um, that's the, that's a big step for us. You know, I'd love that. Ainsley, how close is the next lodge to you? Um, the next closest lodge is, uh, about 15 miles away from me. Um, oh. so, so um, how do you feel about that? Like how large is that lodge? That lodge is the first lodge I belong to. And then I broke off from when I right. uh, opened Tuscola back up. They are a very, the, the lodge hall itself is very nice. Um, the membership there is, um, it's like a small, very small, close, tight-knit group that um, does everything. And they're not super active. They're mostly just social. Okay. So they're not a, a membership, what's the depleting threat or anything like that, that, no. Okay. No, no. Um, the they actually are like they they do they do need a lot of help and uh they they need somebody in there who's going to help them regrow and um 
So they've kind of been um, sliding through on that, you know, that quorum. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you guys, uh, uh, Billy and Josh, are you guys getting any, um, a lot more membership increase in starting uh, the podcast? <laughs> no, no, we haven't really. I mean, here's not here. Thing. Here's the thing in Victoria, in Victoria, we, um, you know, we've over the last five years, we probably brought in 50 members. We do, you know, 10 to 12 guys every year and we have steadily. Um, we, we don't really have a hard time bringing in members without the grant, without our hall and without our meetings. We, you know, the whole membership committees just kind of slowed down. We still have like, we have our 12 guys that we were going to, we were going to initiate in September and they're all waiting in the wings and we're just trying to figure out if we're going to do an outdoor one or what we're going to do. So um, the, our podcast hasn't really brought um, new members to the Victoria Lodges, but yeah. we have seen, we have gotten quite a few inquiries from, you know, the occasional person from back, back east. east or, uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the occasional, the occasional one. So, uh, you know, the interest is out there and it's, it's around. Um, but we've never really, or we haven't had a hard time finding members in Victoria or in Columbia, you know, for the last few years. So or Bastion. Or oh, Bastion. With, the, with the dozen members uh, that are interested, they're kind of in that limbo area. Are you doing anything to keep them engaged to keep them interested or we're le- we're leaning on um, their sponsors, okay? The person, the the brother who is sponsoring them to keep them keep them interested. We kind of set a bar, we set a threshold pretty high. You know, you have to. For me, like I only sponsor one person a year, and that person has to be the cream of the crop, and they've got to really want it. They have to seek me out, and they have to they have to ask me. They have to stay interested. If they if this if they if if their interest wanes because of this, then maybe they they're not ready. You know, that's, that's how I feel. So we have invited um, some of them to zoom open zoom meetings in the past. Um, But obviously the sponsors um, I'm keeping in touch with my guy, he's ready to go whenever we're ready to admit him. Um, I would hope that most of the, the brothers who have um, prospective members ready to go are doing the same thing. So that's what we're doing. I think that keeping them engaged with the Zoom meetings is a really good idea. Um, Just last week, I was talking to uh, one of the lodges in Washington that's really close to you guys, and that's Mount Constitution 88 on Orcas Island in the San Juans. And they've got a large group of people who have applied throughout the course of this year. That's a lodge that's going through a little bit of transition Uh, They've been getting some younger members recently, and some of the longer-term members have been more interested in stepping up and taking leadership positions in the Lodge, and it sort of regenerated interest in the Lodge amongst people who live on Orcas Island. So they've got a group of guys who wanted to join, but because of COVID and the restrictions have not been able to do the traditional initiation that we would do. So I talked to them and I said, okay, what are you doing right now to keep them engaged? They're doing the same thing, which is they have uh, social meetings via Zoom. They invite those potential members to participate. And that really is a good idea because it gets them in the habit of regular engagement with the lodge. Because if you're used to Wednesday evenings, 
hopping on Zoom, then it's not that much of a transition to go down to the lodge on Wednesday evening. Now, one thing uh, that we've done here in Washington, because we've we've had probably jurisdictionally maybe about 20 new members so far during the pandemic. It's kind of a rough estimate. Uh, the Olympia Lodge has a very big building. It's a big hall. They can spread people out. What they have been doing is socially distanced initiations where they show the video of the initiatory degree on the big screen and then they have everybody spread out around the hall wearing masks. Now, obviously, nobody's going to say, oh, the video initiation is great. It's not the best, most impactful way of joining. But in a situation where it's a choice between we'll just keep telling these people maybe next year you can join or actually getting them joined and starting to get them engaged. You know, even if they're not going to meetings, they're still getting our jurisdictional newspaper and they're, they're still having a certain amount of contact with members. So it's not the ideal solution, but it's also not the worst solution because at least you're getting people to start to be involved that way. Yeah, it's great. It's absolutely uh, paramount, I think, for a lot of these lodges to continue to engage people and just make sure that, yeah, just because we're not meeting in person doesn't mean that we've stopped being uh, brothers and sisters and that we're yeah. not all connected and that uh, we aren't welcoming new members and we aren't out in the community. I mean, I've just, we're starting our 10th annual ton of love drive um, uh, for food for the 300 families. And this is, a, you know, it's a much different year this year, harder to raise money, you know, definitely the need is great, but uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of traction again, you know, everybody wants to get involved and they're missing, we're missing, you know, we've missed several of our annual events because of this. And this is one of the annual events that we're not going to miss and we are going to continue to do. And um, I'm feeling people's thirst for that, you know, whether it's yeah. the connection piece or whether it's the, the, uh, you know, this is a normal thing that we do in the, in late November, early December. So just because we're doing it and we're, continuing to do it if there's somewhat feels a little bit normal and it's it's helping i think and people are you know they're jumping on board and they're ready to do it it's not the safest time for us to be at the food bank distributing food to 300 families but and you know it's hard you know not everybody who would want to do it is going to be able to do it or would want to do it this year but the ones who are going to do it and the ones who want to do it um are really excited about it and uh yeah, that feels great so and it's, again, it's another one of those events that we do that does increase um, recognition of what we do and a lot of interest in becoming and prospective um, members. So it feels good to be doing something, you know, whether it, even if it's not uh, meeting twice a month in person and being in the lodge hall and having all of our events, this is, this is one that we are doing. So that's mm -hmm. good. Feels good. Now, I've got a follow-up question uh, for the one that Sergio asked, because uh, one thing that I've noticed here at the Three Links Oddcast is we sort of become people's lifeline to Odd Fellowship. And so you guys have probably experienced this, um, especially if you've been a member in British Columbia before Becky took over as your Grand Secretary. 
it can be challenging to try and make the connections to be able to get an interested party to join. So what kind of challenges have you run into when you get those membership inquiries, getting them to the right people to talk to? I just send everybody to Ainsley. He knew, he he sends every he knows exactly who to send. It. He's just like talk to Ainsley. He'll get you in touch with the perfect person. Uh, no, that's uh, you know I'm not the only one then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, I told you. See, we're all doing it. It's uh, you do a great job out there, Ainsley. Especially, Thank I mean, you. in the states, and um, you know, we've had uh, Billy knows has a lot of connections uh, within Canada, <laughs> or we're you're gaining them. Gaining them. Yeah. So um, obviously. You know, the hard part is the easy part is is doing the, you know, typing in and finding out the number for the Grand Lodge of that area. But the hard part is having them, you know, get back to the person who's interested. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I've... I don't know how to answer the question um, exactly for Victoria, because uh, as Josh has said, Victoria has a lot of uh, we have a lot of feelers out into the community so with bastion having a very special segment of of leadership driven business and and entrepreneurial women um and columbia having this very i think a lot of our guys join professionally um they're not joining for the professional network because we slap them around about that like day one like you're not going to be able to sell insurance um, over a beer, um, you know, eventually you might help somebody out as a brother, but that's not how you get in the door. Um, so I think if the podcast is a way to create some idea or some sense of what's going on, I think we try really hard for that, but we're not catching uh, for Vic, for Victoria and for BC, we're getting a lot of odd fellows listening, and not so much interested parties. There's, at least they're not emailing us. Uh, we do have somebody in France that keeps downloading every episode. We haven't quite figured out who that is. Um, if you're listening, please email us at info at moderngoatrider.com. But um, but yeah. we, are, we are getting a lot of, you know, love from uh, our community, you know, in that lifeline, you know, and feeling like, you know, we listen to your podcast every time we go for a drive and, you know, it, it does make them feel connected to what we're doing. So, um, so that's been great. So maybe it is a substitute for Wednesday night. For sure. I mean, you yeah. probably feel the same if if we're talking, if if our if the podcast has a talk that is about what a lodge meeting feels like. Um, I think you can benefit new members and, and, and potential members and even the ones who have been around for ages um, who just say, yeah, I, I miss Wednesday night. So I listen to your podcast. I was going to say, I, I think at least for me personally, I think that, you know, since we started these podcasts post when most of our lodges have gone quiet, um, I know for me personally, it's been almost like my odd fellows lifeline along with the uh the chat thread on the uh, facebook that we're on and uh my lodge chat thread as well uh, a a messenger chat thread definitely can go a long way when you haven't seen these people in person for almost you know we're going on six months now and it kind of keeps people connected in a 
even though it's like a very casual way, at least like they don't have to chat. They can at least look at it and kind of keep caught up, even if they don't feel like saying anything. But it's a it's like a very soft engagement, you know, I, I, as far as, you know, it's low commitment level to listen to a podcast or to just read a chat thread, even if you don't have to type anything back. But it keeps your kind of head a little bit there on the, you know, odd fellows on that not going totally off the back burner into the, you know, into the dishwasher. It kind of keeps it on that low simmer, at least. Hmm. Part of me wishes it was a little more interactive, like a live show where people would call in and, you know, you could interact a little more immediately. That's a fantastic idea. I wonder if that's something we could do at some point. Oh, yeah. Maybe a Facebook live kind of thing would be, would probably yeah. be the best. It's if definitely anybody's out there interested in that, uh, let us know at uh, info at moderngorider.com. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll get you guys to call in and we'll uh, we'll take questions. <laughs> well, one thing that I've found since doing our podcast is we're we're getting a little bit of crossover traction from non-members who are running into the podcast because they're they're looking around trying to figure out how to interface with Odd Fellowship. They find the podcast, listen to a couple episodes, and then they all email Sergio and say, hey, I want to join a lodge. How do I do it? And in some cases, it's pretty straightforward. I know uh, Sergio shares this stuff with Ainsley and I as it comes in. So sometimes it's, I'm in Portland, Oregon. I want to join a lodge. And that's really easy because Portland has several lodges. And, uh, you know, depending on the type of person, if you're really artsy, you know, go to Peninsula 128 on the north side of Portland. Uh, they're a really great creative group of people down there. Or maybe you want a little bit more traditional experience. So, okay, go to Samaritan number two out in Milwaukee, Oregon. Okay, then there are the inquiries that come. Um, where was that guy from outside of San Diego, Sergio? Lemon Grove, Costa Mesa? I think it was Lemon Grove. I think it was like a smaller town, like in between uh, San Diego. Yeah. And it's like, okay, there, there might've been a lodge there at one time. What do you do for something like that? Well, you know, we have this sort of official well, channel of communications where you're supposed to contact the grand secretary, the grand secretary contacts, the local lodge passes that information along that does not work more often than it does work and so then we end up trying to work our back channels saying oh I, I know a guy who used to belong to a lodge um somewhere like maybe oceanside maybe he knows somebody i'll send him an email and see if he can help out and it becomes sort of a challenge to make those connections for people yeah that's got to be frustrating Everybody can just get on the uh, the same wavelength that, hey, we're out here trying to promote Odd Fellowship, you know, like help us out, <laughs> respond. And then for that particular incident, um, they actually reached out and um, we had gotten them in contact with somebody. Uh, I think it was the secretary and they had mentioned there was a lodge in San Diego. They went to pursue that one, turned out the lodge went out of business and they actually gave me the newspaper clipping uh, or the news newspaper article saying how the last member was uh, hanging on and then it was uh, set to close. And then I stumble, I keep looking for another lead for this person who wants to join. 
And then I come across that same lodge. I guess they managed to stay in there for like another couple of years. They got an Instagram account. And then I, I think they still ended up closing. Oh. So there's just kind of like so close yet so far. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the stories we get like, oh, there's a lodge over here. Well, not anymore. Or how close are you over here? Or not too close. And, and it's just like this whole like back and forth ping pong across the the internet and everything it's it's pretty uh pretty interesting so outside of bad communication how are we fixing this like what like here we are we're the cutting edge we are trust brain trust (laughs) cutting edge of odd fellowship across north america the world what are we in 15 short of doing a presentation at sovereign at the grand secretary grand scribe meeting that gives them a form that says this is how to respond to people in a timely manner and here is how to do it don't just let these messages just sit in your box and never get replied to and pile up because you know people like oh nobody wants to join nobody wants to join it's like I guarantee if you opened up your email there's probably Mm -hmm. 50 emails sitting there of people who want to join that you just didn't bother to do anything with so because it took too much effort to figure out who to send them to and it's one of those things that you got to keep on it and you gotta like i know i bring it up all the time on the show where the worst thing in the world for me is i send somebody a contact and i think you know i send them on their way and a month later i hear back from that original person being like Hey, I never heard back. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, geez, yeah. now I got to find somebody else and apologize and be like, well, at least I can use the COVID excuse right now. But that's, I know that's not the real reason. I know it's because, you know, you're sending it off to a specific, you know, Grand Lodge that I know it's going to be an email to nowhere. And usually, like, so what I've started actually doing is um, on my form emails, I've got like three or four different form emails that I then populate with whatever specific stuff for each inquiry is I added a section to each of those emails to join the Independent Order of Oddfellows Facebook group, the community group. So that way they could join there and post their inquiry there as well to let the whole hive mind also assist them. So that's why people are starting to see a lot more people popping in on the group on the community page to um, be like, hey, I'm looking to join in Bellflower or I'm looking to join in, you know, wherever. And uh, so I could then tag said uh, grand secretary and nudge them a little bit more. It's a little bit quicker to get somebody to respond when they're tagged publicly on something, I notice. So it's it's a little bit of a, like use that public uh, humiliation to actually get a response um, over um, a private email. I'm gonna let Sergio go, but I have a, a fo- I have a follow up for that. But go ahead, Sergio. Whoa! What the hell is that? All right, there it is. Your cue to switch over to the Three Links Oddcast to find episode Odd Crossover Part Two. To enjoy the rest of the stimulating conversation between Toby, Sergio, Ainsley, Josh, and Billy. Cheers in FLT.